Welcome to the Danny Picard Show, Thursday, May 9th, 2019. Broadcasting from the Beantown USA studio. Beantown USA is Boston's home for customized screen printing and embroidery. Get more information on their website, beantownusa.com. On today's show, mostly Celtics. As you know, the season is now over. The Celtics lost game five to the Milwaukee Bucks in Milwaukee last night on Wednesday night. And, uh... I got some things to say about that. I'm going to react to the Celtics' loss in Game 5. I'm going to react to this entire series. I am going to also look ahead to what the future now holds for this group, for this Celtics team, and more specifically for Kyrie Irving. What is his future? I will get into that. I also have some audio from the post game after Game 5 that basically tells the whole story. I have some audio from Kyrie Irving and some audio from Terry Rozier, so I will play that audio for you and I'll react to it all. Uh, I have some strong thoughts on the Celtics, so stick around. I'm going to open the show with that. And then the Bruins, they have advanced to the Eastern Conference Final. They will play the Carolina Hurricanes, the number seven seed Carolina Hurricanes in the Eastern Conference Final. I will preview that series. I'll react to the Charlie McAvoy one-game suspension, and we'll go over the schedule for that entire series. All of it today presented by DraftKings. Play for free at DraftKings.com or on the DraftKings app by using promo code PICK, P-I-C. That's promo code PICK, P-I-C. And by now, you're probably bored with your fantasy baseball team. I tell you all the time. You should be playing daily fantasy baseball if you want to win cash prizes every single day. If you want to play with a different baseball lineup every single day. What what happens when you play in a fantasy baseball league? You have the same team with the same lineup for most of the season. And if you do have a good team, you can't receive your cash prize until the end of September, early October. Please, DraftKings.com put together a new baseball lineup, a different baseball lineup every single day for a chance to win cash prizes every single night. And again, play for free by signing up using promo code PIC, P-I-C, at DraftKings.com. Welcome to the show on this Thursday, May 9th, as we enter Mother's Day weekend. Happy Mother's Day to all the moms out there. And, um... You know, here in Boston, there's mixed emotions with the playoff teams. The Bruins obviously continue to win. They're going to the Eastern Conference Final. And then you got the Celtics, who disappointed us greatly by not just losing in the second round to Milwaukee, and their season is now over, but they got their asses kicked by the Milwaukee Bucks. And I think the most frustrating part, and I'm going to open with Celtics, I think the most frustrating part about the Celtics getting their asses kicked by the Milwaukee Bucks is that Kyrie Irving, their best player, was complete garbage for really this entire series. I mean, he was good in game one. The Celtics as a whole were good in game one. They won game one, and then they lost four straight. Um, Kyrie Irving, in the four losses, I get th- these are staggering numbers, all right? These are embarrassing Horrible numbers for Kyrie Irving. Let me give you these numbers. In the four losses that the Celtics had, losing this second-round series in five games, losing four straight after winning game one, in the four losses, Kyrie Irving was 25 for 83 from the field. That's 30% from the field. 25 for 
three in the four losses. Also in those four losses, five for 27 from behind the three-point line. He only hit five (laughs) three-pointers. Like, think about that. Kyrie Irving hit five three-pointers in four straight games, which were four straight losses. Five total, not five a game, five total in the four losses. Five for 27 from the three-point line. That's 19% from three for Kyrie Irving. 30% from the field and 19% from three. The reason the Celtics are done right now is because Kyrie Irving, their best player, was horrible. Horrible. He was horrible. And, you know, Kyrie Irving coming out of his mouth really all year long was, you know, let's see what we are in the playoffs. It's all about the playoffs. The regular season doesn't matter, he said. He said, this is all about the playoffs. And we all know what Kyrie Irving can be. We saw how good he was in the playoffs when he was with Cleveland. And I think someone like myself, you know, listened to all the things Kyrie said all year long, and they were, it was frustrating to listen to Kyrie all year long. It was. It was frustrating. And he was a tough guy to root for. But if you listen to me, you know what I always said about Kyrie is that at the end of the day, it is about championships in this town. And if Kyrie can play the way we know he's capable of playing in the playoffs, then they have a chance to win a championship. But so, so I gave Kyrie kind of a free pass for some of the things he said in the regular season. No, free pass is strong. I mean, I did criticize him a lot, but the reason I wasn't running him, here's the thing. I was not one of these people that was running Kyrie Irving out of town. I wasn't. I was not running Kyrie Irving out of town because I knew how good he could be in the playoffs. But then we get to the playoffs and you get to the second round. And he sucked. He was horrible. I just gave you the numbers. Kyrie was terrible, and he is the reason the Celtics have been eliminated. It's as simple as that. Don't don't overthink it. You know, don't get into oh, what Brad Stevens could have done differently uh, with his lineups, with his rotation, or, you know, where was Horford defensively after game one? He was so good on, on Giannis Antetokounmpo after game one. Where was he after that? Um... You know, I don't think of anything else. This is a superstar-driven league. Kyrie Irving is the Celtics superstar, and he only hit five three-pointers in in the four losses that they had, the four straight losses. An embarrassing performance in those four losses in this series as a whole for Kyrie Irving. And if you had told me he was going to play like this in this series and be the reason the Celtics were eliminated from the playoffs in the second round. If you had told me that two months ago, I would have been running Kyrie Irving out of town. Because the only reason Kyrie Irving, in my opinion, the only reason people want him around at this point, if you still want him around, is because you thought that in the playoffs, he'd be the guy to take this team on his back and get him over whatever hump they needed to get over. And that hump was getting past the East Finals and getting into the NBA Finals. And even at some point, here in the next couple of years, getting an NBA championship. But, I mean, it was evident in Game 5 last night on Wednesday night that Kyrie Irving, he just couldn't hit anything. He couldn't hit anything. He could have been standing on the beach and wouldn't be able to put that thing in the ocean. That's how bad Kyrie Irving was. And it gives someone like myself a, a, a just a whole different opinion of this guy and the future in this town with this team. 
because I did tell you during the season, I want him to, I want the Celtics to re-sign Kyrie. I want him back because I know how good he is in the playoffs. But if he's no good in the playoffs, then what good is he with this team? It, clearly, clearly this team had issues, and you heard it all come out after the game. You heard it all come out after the game. The postgame told the entire story of this team. I'm not, and Brad Stevens was pretty good with the postgame. But, I mean, he's not throwing anyone under the bus. Kyrie didn't really throw anyone under the bus. Kyrie actually went all, and I'm going to play Kyrie for you in a minute, but Kyrie went mostly praise for the Milwaukee Bucks. But <laughs> it was a little too much praise there. Like, I, <laughs> it was, uh, uh, you know, mind-boggling to kind of listen to Kyrie. Now, I, I was sort of begging for some humility from Kyrie Irving, right? Some, you know, him coming out saying, this is on me. You know, I only hit five three-pointers <laughs> in the four losses we had. Like, what? insane that you don't get up on that podium when the season's over and kind of put this on yourself because it's on Kyrie. Instead of knocking himself or anyone else on his team, he just kind of praised the Milwaukee Bucks. But then you get to Rosier and Jalen Brown. I don't have Jalen Brown audio, but I did watch the post game of him. He was kind of all over the place with things he was saying. But one thing Jalen Brown said was similar to something I think he said earlier in the year was that, yeah, the young players and the veterans, you know, we all learned something from this season. And he's like, we all learned something. And so I think that's him kind of throwing the veterans under the bus once again, something he did earlier in the year. And then you get Terry Rozier, who... He, he really... Terry Rozier really told the whole story in like a minute clip. And um, I might as well play that for you first. Here is Terry Rozier. After the game, he's sitting in his locker... And he's being asked questions. And um, I'll, I'll just let you listen. Terry Rozier after game five in the Celtics season coming to an end. It didn't go the way we all wanted. But, uh, you know, I just I thank God for my family and my boys back at the crib. They kept me level-headed all year because I've been dealing with some shit. And, uh, you know, I, I feel like we still all had that one goal. It wasn't easy on coach dealing, dealing with a lot of guys that – that want to be great, trying to get there. So, like I said, it's, it's, it's been tough. It's been, a, it's been a tough year, especially for me, but it ain't about me. That's why I don't come. All right, so there's, there's one part of it. I think one part that jumps out, obviously, is the part about, you know, the coach had a tough job trying to manage a team in which he had a lot of guys wanting to be, you know, wanting to be starting players, really wanting to be star players. And that's the issue. You go back to last year. Rozier, Jalen Brown, Tatum. They took this team to Game 7. They took LeBron to the brink of elimination. They took him to Game 7 of the East Finals without Kyrie, without Gordon Haywood. They wanted, those kids want to be rewarded for that. Not just for basketball purposes, but I mean, you've got to take into account future contracts and the money that all of a sudden someone like maybe Terry Rozier loses when you return the next season, Irving comes back, Haywood comes back, and you got to sit your ass on the bench and play a very limited role, especially in a in the playoffs, especially in a playoff series in the second round where Kyrie Irving sucked. Rozier credited the coach. So that's telling. That really tells the story of the season. And then Rozier continues. It's just, it's just tough. Just was tough, uh, you know, dealing with dealing with all the talent we had, and, uh, you know, different guys 
want to be in the limelight. Guys already in the limelight. That you know, just it's, it's just been a lot. But uh, I feel like we all can step back, and I, I think that's this the time right now. When we're going on vacation, we just relaxing, and we get to reflect on the season. All right, you reflect on the season all you want, but you just told us. I mean, you just told us. You know, you guys, you had guys that were in the limelight last year, like him talking about himself, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, and then you had guys who were coming back and wanted the limelight again. And what's the limelight? I mean, again, the limelight is just starting jobs, starting roles. You know, opportunities to get the big minutes, which give you opportunities to then get the big contract. I mean, you know, and, and I, I I, think at some point this whole thing does come back to the president of basketball operations, Danny Ainge. You know, I'm not going to... It's tough to crush a guy that's recovering from a mild heart attack right now, but let's be honest. I mean, the team that he put together gave him a heart attack. Kyrie Irving gave him a heart attack. And it's it's like at some point the guy who puts the team together... We and, and don't say, oh, you can't just come up with this now and say that there's a problem with too much talent. No, well, no, I think a lot of us in this town were wondering how this was going to work coming in because of where last year's group went and Rosier, Jalen Brown having to maybe take a back seat. You know, how were they going to react to that? And what if, as we saw, the season didn't go as expected? I think we all expected... With when you add Irving and Haywood to the mix to a group that went to Game Seven of the East Finals, to an Eastern Conference that no longer had LeBron James, you no longer had to go through LeBron. I think we all thought we, we all kind of penciled the Celtics into the NBA Finals, didn't we? That's why this is so frustrating. That's why this is a failure. The Celtics, this is a failure. This is a failure. Terry Rozier just told the story. He credited the coach for having to deal with a team that was tough to deal with because you had guys that wanted the spotlight. And you had guys that had the spotlight that wanted to remain in it from last year. But once Irvin and Haywood got back, they couldn't all have the spotlight. And, um, you know, it, it just, Rosia summed it up right there. But because his team failed at the end of the day, they should be disappointed, right? Should, shouldn't they be disappointed? Well, Kyrie Irving um, says, after the game... This is no time for disappointment. Here's a little of Kyrie after the season had come to an end and after the Celtics had failed and after Kyrie was the reason that this Celtics team ended up failing in the second round. Here's Kyrie. I mean, you know, truth be told, it's it's no time to be disappointed. I I think that, um, you know, you take your lessons, you you take your ass whooping that they handed us, um, and you move on. Um, You know, it's a basketball uh, journey, obviously, you know, you, you want to keep playing, but uh, they put a halt to that, and, and they deserve this series. They they played like they wanted it, and, and um, you know, I'm looking forward to seeing them going to the Eastern Conference Finals and playing uh, their next opponent. So, um, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. It's just right there. I, I was watching this live, and I'm like, man, and going into this press conference, you knew he was going to say something, right? I mean, Kyrie Irving has always said something that we react to in sort of a negative way in this town. He's been doing it all year long. So you knew there was going to be something. But I was begging for a little humility from the guy. From a guy that went, like I just said, 5 for 27 from the three-point line in four straight games. You wanted a little humility from him. 
You know, the guy that sat there and said, you know, I'm going to take some days off at the end of the regular season because it's not about the regular season, it's about the playoffs. And then when you get to the playoffs and we expect playoff Kyrie, you don't get that. I don't know what that was. That was a Kyrie Irving that couldn't hit anything. That was a Kyrie Irving that, you know, I tweeted this out last night. People questioning now whether or not Kyrie Irving wants to stay in Boston. I'm questioning whether or not Kyrie Irving even wants to play basketball anymore because it felt like last night in Game 5 that he didn't want to play the game of basketball any longer. That's how he was out there shooting. And so I was asking and begging before this post-game press conference last night, begging for a little humility from this guy. Like, hey, I sucked. You know, I had a, this is on me. This team was looking up to me to come into this situation this year after sitting out last year with an injury in the playoffs. They went to Game 7 of the East Finals. They're expecting me to get them at least into the finals. And I didn't get the job done. I failed. And here are my numbers. I sit here every night and I look at the box score. But you know, I kind of... I, even though I'm begging for that type of humility, I, I kind of had the feeling he wasn't going to give it to us, mainly because when you go back to the previous game, game four, here's what Kyrie Irving said after... <laughs> this, is, this is wild, by the way. After game four, when they went down 3-1, they lose both games at the TD Garden, but this was after game four. Um, when was this? On, on Monday night. Here's what, here's what Kyrie Irving had to say after game four. You know, the expectations on me are going to be sky high. Um, and I try to utilize their aggression against them and still put my teammates in great positions while still being aggressive. I'm trying to do it all. So, um, you know, for me, the 22 shots, you know, I should have shot 30. You know, it, it really not great of a shooter. So I, I think that just the consistency of just going at it. Oh, man, I can't even listen to it anymore. He says, you know, I, tr- I have to do it all. I'm such a great shooter, I should have shot 30. Like, I mean, so I should have known. We weren't going to get that. We weren't going to get him last night saying, I sucked, showing that humility. We weren't going to get that from him. I was begging for it. We we, we weren't going to get that. Um, what we got instead was a guy who said, and I'll play it again for you because you need to hear it, is that, Right now, <laughs> this is moments after the season's over. He says, now there's no time for disappointment. I can't believe it. Here it is again. I mean, you know, truth be told, it's, it's no time to be disappointed. I, I think that, um, you know, you take your lessons, you, you take your ass whooping that they handed us, um, and you move on. Um, you know, it's a basketball uh, journey. Obviously, you know, you, you want to keep playing, but uh, they put a halt to that, and, and they deserve the series. They, they played like they wanted it, and, and – um, you know, I'm looking forward to seeing them going to the Eastern Conference Finals and playing uh, their next opponent. Looking forward uh, to it. I, again, another thing. Not only does he say there's no time for disappointment. Well, first of all, go back and try to tell that to the rest of your teammates. Because I watched the Al Horford press conference when he was standing in, his front of, in, in the locker room in front of his locker after the game. And he seemed to be pretty disappointed. You should be disappointed. It's okay to be disappointed after you fail. And especially after you're the reason that your team fails. A normal reaction. He said something else in his press conference where he's like, you know, I, I'm just trying to get home safely and see my family and decompress like a normal human. Well, normal humans would be disappointed in a situation that you're currently in. In a situation that you're currently in because you sucked. Go in that locker room 
and ask me if, if people are disappointed and try to tell everybody in that locker room on that Celtics team, that team, that group of kids that you called out all year, that was in Game 7 of the East Finals last year, try to tell them that losing in the second round in five games, try to tell them that this is no time for disappointment. That's a joke. I don't understand that. And then, right afterwards, saying, you know what, I'm looking forward to, to, to watching Milwaukee in the, in the next round. What? What do you mean you're looking forward to watching Milwaukee? I was looking forward to watching the Celtics in the Eastern Conference Finals. This loss wasn't even really, you know, this loss was, when did he talk, Kyrie? 20 minutes after the game ended? I mean, this wasn't even finished for, this game wasn't even finished for 30 minutes. This was 20 minutes after the game. He's saying, uh, this is no time for disappointment. I'm looking forward to seeing Milwaukee in the East Finals. What are you talking about? Here's more Kyrie. Uh, you know, it was a it was a it was a great op- uh, opponent for for me to play against for the rest of my career because I know I won't forget something like this. And um, you know, the the taste of of feeling defeat in the you know in this type of style. You know, being down one four. Uh, you know, I, I haven't felt so. You know, for me, it's just moving on to the the next thing um, and just seeing where where that ends up. All right, we'll see where that ends up. But Kyrie continued after another question to praise the Bucks. Here's Kyrie again on the you know, Bucks. And like I said, I give credit when credit is due. Giannis is an unbelievable player. He's been doing unbelievable things this year, as well as Chris. Um, and they fill in very well. They're they're a great, well-run team. So I, you know, I'm, you know, I'm glad that we we got to feel this in the eyes of of looking at a great team like that. Well, <laughs> I'm glad we got to feel this. This. I don't know if Kyrie was just making it a point to not knock his own team that he said, I'm just going to praise the Bucks and whatever comes out, comes out. But I don't know if in the back of the head he had this little voice that was like, don't call out anyone on your own team because then that'll be really bad. It'll be worse than praising the Bucks." And maybe he, that voice was so loud in the back of his head saying, don't knock your own team. Don't criticize your own group. Maybe that voice was so loud that he couldn't even understand what he was saying about the Bucks. I'm glad I'm glad this happened. Can't wait to watch the Bucks. There's no time for disappointment. That's a great team. I mean, it tells the story. That with the Rosia stuff, it tells the story. Kyrie Irving. The Kyrie Irving Celtics. If you had one word to describe them, what would it be? What word would you use to describe the Kyrie Irving Celtics? This season. I got a word for you. Hotless. This group was hotless. I mean, and it was... <laughs> that that hotless tone that they set was infectious. I mean, you saw Marcus Smart. He hit a dude hard after, at the end of the game on Milwaukee. I forget who it was. He's giving him two hands, helping him up off the court. That's not the Marcus Smart I know. The Marcus Smart I know is, you know, maybe standing over a guy as he's on top of him, chirping at him, telling, don't you try to bring that on me. I don't care how hard I hit you. I'll hit you harder the next time. That's the Marcus Smart I know. He's helping guys up from Milwaukee at the end of this game last night. This was embarrassing. This was embarrassing. This was, this was a... A total embarrassment, and it begins and it ends with their superstar. This is the league. This is the NBA. 
It's a superstar-driven league. If you're the superstar and you talk, you're talking all year long, this, that, and the other thing, and you don't show up and you suck. You know, the things he was saying after, it's just, it really sums it up. So what's next? What's next for Kyrie Irving? What's next for Kyrie, who had 15 points in this game five? who was awful in the four losses in this series, who's the reason the Celtics season is over. What's next for Kyrie Irving? You heard what he had to say. No time for disappointment. Praising the Bucs. Um, I mean, the good thing is he didn't knock his own team, right? But at the same time, it's like, I mean, you should be disappointed. Everyone in that organization is disappointed. Um, and, you know, you didn't really put anything on yourself. The fact that he didn't come out and say, this is on me. I was horrible. I got to be better than this. You go back to the audio I played after game four. He's like, oh, I'm trying to do it all. You know, and I'm a great shooter. I should have taken 30 shots. <laughs> like, take all the shots you want. How about you start hitting some? Is that a crazy concept? Look, like I told you all season long, I wanted the Celtics to re-sign Kyrie Irving. I did. I wanted them to re-sign Kyrie because I thought he would be somebody in the playoffs that would help this team win a championship and that you have success in the playoffs. If Kyrie Irving came out with scoring 30-35, you know, hitting his three-pointers, hitting big shots, I mean, you go back to game four and even in game five, Milwaukee in the first half, they kept the Celtics in the game. I know Marcus Morris and Marcus Smart had a big... They did a nice job. They played a big role in Game 5 with their defensive presence, more specifically Marcus Morris. But let's be fair. Milwaukee was missing shots as much as the Celtics were in the first half. But in Game 4 and in Game 5, the Celtics should have had... I mean, what was the score of Game 5? 116-91. The Celtics should have had 135 points in Game 5. They should have had 150 points in Game 4. But they were so bad offensively that, but, but when you're that bad offensively, at some point you're looking for your superstar to kick it into high gear and say, hey, this is my team. You know, this is what I wanted, right? And, and uh, you know, I, I sound like LeBron all year long. I sound like I want to be LeBron. I have a chance to be LeBron. Please, LeBron, LeBron would have whooped this Milwaukee team. He would have. He would have. LeBron would have embarrassed this Milwaukee team. All right. He he would have. And Kyrie didn't even come close. He he didn't even come close. Kyrie got embarrassed. Kyrie got bitch slapped in this series. Not literally, but he, he did. I mean, he he. Kyrie got bitched out in this series by the Milwaukee Bucks. That's what happened. And um. You know, I, I thought that it would be the other way around. And that's why I told you all year long that I want the Celtics to re-sign this guy. So now that we look at Kyrie's future, the question is, I mean, it doesn't it doesn't matter what I want. It doesn't even matter what the Celtics want. It really comes down to what Kyrie wants. Because Kyrie's going to be a free agent, right? Kyrie, based on what I heard, based on what I've seen, and based on the lack of production... You know, maybe that's the thing. That's the thing for me that that changes my mind. The lack of production in the playoffs for me changes the way I feel about this guy. 
The idea that he could come out and produce and help this team win a championship was the 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 reason I said you got to keep him. You got to do everything you can to make him happy. You got to do everything you can if you're the Celtics to make him want to stay. Go out and get other guys. Yeah, fine. Make Kyrie want to stay. But then when you don't produce, it changes everything for me. But it's Kyrie's decision. We've heard the Knicks. I've told you, I, you know, I was thinking the Lakers. Some people have said Brooklyn. I threw a poll question up on my Twitter last night, and I think most of the answers said he's going the Knicks. Most people think he's going the Knicks. A lot of people think Kyrie's going the Knicks with Kevin Durant. Um, Here's what I'll tell you. I don't know if he's going the Knicks. I don't know if he's going the Lakers. I don't think he's going to Brooklyn. I think it's either the Knicks or the Lakers. But here's what I will tell you. He's not coming back to the Celtics. Kyrie is not coming back to the Celtics. And... And I don't, that's not really a crazy opinion. People have been saying that for a while. But I've been holding out hope that there would be playoff success. He would be the leader of the, of the pack, you know, leading this group into the East Finals, into the NBA Finals. Would love playing here. You know, get a taste of that championship, you know, attitude in a, in, on a team that was his own. And would love this city, would love to would love to stay here long term. But he didn't have that success, and he just sounds like he's sour. He sounds like a guy who doesn't want to be here. And he sounded like that all season long. And when he doesn't produce in the playoffs, I just, I'm telling you right now, Kyrie is not, he's not coming back. He's not coming back. It doesn't matter what the Celtics want. It doesn't matter what I want. It doesn't matter what you want. It matters what Kyrie wants because he's a free agent. He is not coming back to the Celtics. He's not. He's not going to be back. He's gone. He's gone. And, you know what, in fairness to Kyrie Irving, I will be fair to him right now for a moment. As frustrated as I am with him and his lack of production in the playoffs and the fact that he didn't want to really take accountability for that after in his post-game in Game 5 or Game 4. In fairness to Kyrie Irving, he never wanted to be here. Right? I mean, he never wanted to be here. Think about that. He... He demanded a trade out of Cleveland. You know, you can go you can go over the reasons for that all you want. I mean, I think he knew LeBron was leaving. I don't think him and LeBron hate each other. I really don't. I told you that from day one. I don't think they hate each other. I see the way they embrace each other after games when they're on different teams. It's like, do they re- are these two guys that hate each other? I don't think so. I think he knew LeBron was leaving. Whether he whether his plan was to at some point join LeBron in LA, we're gonna find out. Or it was just, hey, I know LeBron's leaving, so I'm going to get out first because I'm not sticking around here by myself. Kyrie gave a list of teams. Some people say that the Celtics were on that list, but most of the reports that I saw did not have the Celtics on that list. So I'm going to go with the initial report. You know? And it did not have the Celtics on that trade list when he wanted out of Cleveland. And the Celtics trading for Kyrie Irving was a surprise to me. I think it was a surprise for a lot of people. It was a surprise for Isaiah Thomas. It was probably, though, again, in fairness to Kyrie Irving, a surprise to Kyrie Irving. Not that he got shipped out of Cleveland. He demanded the trade, but that he got shipped out of Cleveland to Boston. I don't know that he saw that coming. And in fairness to Kyrie, I don't think he ever wanted to be a Celtic. But it was better than being in Cleveland. Right? 
He wanted out of Cleveland. But he knew, hey, I'm a free agent. Let's suck it up. It's unfortunate he got injured. But then he comes back in a weird situation with young players that just led the team to Game 7 of the East Finals. You know, there's some more pressure there for you, Kyrie. Um, You add Gordon Haywood to the mix. I mean, it's just... I, in fairness to Kyrie, I know we're going to crush him. We're going to do this for a while, especially if he does leave. In fairness to him, he didn't really, I don't think he ever wanted to be here in the first place. So I'd be completely surprised. I'd be shocked if Kyrie Irving signed a long-term extension with the Celtics. I'd be shocked. I'd be shocked. I will be shocked. I don't think he's coming back. I think he's done. I think he's done. He's either going the Knicks or the Lakers. That's it. And I think, I think this has been a plan of his, you know, since he wanted out of Cleveland. I just don't think the Celtics, I know we all like to think everybody wants to play in Boston because we want them to want to play in Boston. Not everybody does. Kyrie's a weird cat. He wants specific things. He wants it his way. He's going to try to get it his way. Were the Celtics ever his way? I... Yeah, I'm afraid it wasn't. In fairness to Kyrie, perhaps he didn't he didn't ever want to be here. And so if he never wanted to be here, he's certainly not coming back. But let's say he he had an open mind about it all. You know, everything that you heard Rosier say in that postgame, the things I told you that Jalen Brown was saying in the postgame, the things that Kyrie Irving was saying in the postgame, this does not sound like a group that's gonna be together next year. And I think the guy that's going to be gone is Kyrie. And you get to the coach, the coach is going to be here. And I know we could criticize the coach. I criticized the coach at times during the season when things were going on. But I think when you hear Rosier say that, you know, the coach had a tough time, this was a, he had a tough job trying to manage all of our egos. He had a tough job. And I told you all year long, this was something that Brad Stevens, you know, this was going to be a learning experience for him. He had never dealt with this. He had never dealt with someone like Kyrie. He was used to dealing with young players working hard. He had never dealt with egos, where contracts get in the way, where all of a sudden the minutes he's dishing out to guys is potentially affecting another guy's contract, which in, which then is affecting relationships in the locker room. It's funny, too. You get some quotes that are like, oh, we were brothers. We were crying together. We laughed together. I don't believe any of that. I don't believe any of that. All right? Um, This was a tough season. And I think, and I, you know, I, you felt this every once in a while, but especially after game four, certainly after game five, I'm sitting there going, Brad Stevens must hate this team. Like, hates this team. Hates it. And let me ask the Celtics fan, do you like this team? You certainly don't now that this season's over and the way it sounds afterwards. But, I mean, this was one of the more frustrating seasons for any team in this town that we've had to watch, which is weird because the expectations were so high. And even when it was going bad, even when we rolled our eyes when they talked about flipping the switch in the playoffs, even someone like myself who rolled my eyes at that, I did sit back and go, well, it's possible because Kyrie is that good. So we, as frustrating as it was, I think there was still some hope 
because we knew how good Kyrie could be, and yet he wasn't good at all. In fact, he was horrible. And because of that, I sit here and go, well, why do you have to put up with a guy who's... It's one thing if he's getting the job done for you in the playoffs. If he's not, why are you going to put up with this? So, I don't think Kyrie... Kyrie, it's his decision. I don't think he's going to choose to come back. But let's say he is thinking about it, then it is the Celtics' decision. Because they're the one signing the check, and they're the one can, can give him more money and, and a bigger contract than anybody else. But let's just, you know, entertain this idea that maybe Kyrie would want to come back. If you're the Celtics, I think seeing his playoff performance, a question you have to ask is, do you even want him back? Honestly. You know, if Kyrie was scoring 35, 40 a game and they still lost this series in six or seven games because Kyrie wasn't getting help from anybody else, that's a different story. But the reason the Celtics lose is because Kyrie didn't show up. He sucked. He was horrible. And and if he's going to be that bad when it matters the most, why do you have to or why would you want to put up with his bullshit for an 82-game regular season? Why do you want to listen to this guy? You shouldn't want to listen to this guy. So if you're the Celtics, and this is another, I just think that this needs to end. Danny Ainge, what was the analogy he used, the marriage analogy? You know? Um, you know, they haven't, they haven't wrapped that up yet. You know, they, hadn't, they haven't had the wedding yet. Well, you know what? You need to back out before the wedding. If Kyrie doesn't back out, the Celtics need to back out. That's the way they, this, whatever relationship you have with Kyrie Irving, this needs to end and it needs to end right now. You got to go your separate ways. Even if there's a little chance that Kyrie's thinking about returning, if you're the Celtics, I think you might want to say, you know what? We gave it a shot. It didn't work out. Um, That's it. Like I, you do, I don't think if the Celtics did have a choice, which again, I don't think they do, but if they did at any point, I think they have to pot ways. I think they'll have to be like, we're not going to do it. Have fun in New York. Have fun in L.A., wherever you're going to go. But, um, you know, we get some young, talented players here. Uh, we have, we'll have some money we free up. You know, if I'm the Celtics, I, I also entertain moving Gordon Hayward. Gordon Hayward does not do it for me. I told you when they were going to sign him, I said... I don't understand paying Gordon. I don't understand giving him a max contract. I don't think Gordon Hayward's a max contract guy. I said that. I told you that. That's this is not a reaction after the fact. I'm on the record. I've said it. I've believed it. I I don't I don't consider Gordon Hayward to be a max contract guy. You know, you needed that extra piece. You wanted to maybe overpay to bring him in. He had a relationship with the coach. I actually think the relationship that he has with the coach is a bad thing. The previous relationship with the coach is a bad thing. I actually look at that relationship he has with the coach and I say, I think you just got to cut that, cut ties with that too. Cut ties with that too. Honestly, keep Jalen Brown and people will say, you know what? what, I'm going to tell you right now too and it's not going to go over well in Celtics Nation. It's not going to go over well in Boston. I see people talking about Anthony Davis. So you have a team. Let me get this straight. Let me get this straight. So you have a Celtics team 
that underachieves, and it looks like they had no hot. I told you the hot that they, the word that I would use, the hot that this team had, the word I would use is hotless. This team was hotless. For a hotless team, you mean to tell me that you want to trade players in their early 20s for a player in Anthony Davis who gave up on his team a year and a half before he hit free agency? He gave up on the... I don't know if they just thought, you know, they, they read his contract wrong and they were like, oh, we're a free agent this summer. They're not a free agent this summer. Anthony Davis is a free agent next summer. They quit in New Orleans. Anthony Davis quit on his team in New Orleans a year and a half before free agency. That's the guy that you want to add to a team that is hotless? Am I missing something with this? Everybody loves Anthony Davis. But this is this something that we do, not just in this town, I think in sports in general. There's something that we do. It's that we... we, we we turn players into somebody that they're not because of how much we talk about them, how much we praise them, how much we end up wanting them, how much we imagine them in our team's uniform, and we imagine the, all the great things that could happen, and we end up turning a player into somebody that he's not, and we forget some of the key personality traits that you need to have in a town like this to succeed. You can't be a hotless bastard who quits on your team a year and a half before free agency. I don't care how big you are. I don't care how talented you are. I don't care what your ceiling for success is or how old you are with that ceiling. You mean to tell me that you watch this Celtics team. You can honestly watch this group of Celtics. You can see this hotless group. And you can say to yourself, let's add a guy like Anthony Davis who quit on his team a year and a half before free agency. If you can say that, I don't want you running. I'm glad you don't run this Celtics team. I don't want Anthony Davis. I'm going to say it right now. I don't. Um, you know, I, I just, I saw a guy that, I mean, he want, Anthony Davis wants something right now. You know, he sounds like a prima donna. What has he done? What? <laughs> like, People forget this. Like, what has Anthony Davis done? People play fantasy basketball, and they see all these numbers, and they watch the Sports Center highlights, and and they get so wrapped up in that. They watch the All-Star Weekend. They see the Sprite commercials. Like, what has Anthony Davis done? Somebody tell me. What has he done? To just come out and start demanding trades a year and a half before free agency. What has he done? Don't compare this to Kevin Garnett. Kevin Garnett was in one city with one team with the heart of a champion, committed to bringing a championship to Minnesota for how long? 12 years? You know, went to the playoffs. Went to the Western Conference Finals. And then when he got into his 30s, he was like, you know what? They were. He had a team that was suddenly rebuilding and he wanted to go play for a, a, a contender. Don't compare Anthony Davis and his situation with Kevin Garnett because it doesn't compare at all. Kevin Garnett 
did everything he could to try to get the the franchise that drafted him, the franchise that he started his career with, he did everything he could to get that franchise a championship. And then when it turned out that wasn't going to happen, after years trying to get that done, he accepted a trade to a contender. What has Anthony Davis done in New Orleans? What has he done for the Pelicans? What has he tried to do for the Pelicans? I mean... That's the guy you want on the Celtics? Man. Um, I don't. I'll tell you right now. I do not want Anthony Davis. I don't want him. I don't want him. I don't want him. Here's what I'm willing to do. I'm willing to let Kyrie walk. I'm willing to go back to the team that I had last year and just see. Just see what you got. Why not? Make Rosier your start in point guard. See what you got. How is that going to hurt? How is that going to hurt? Somebody tell me how that could hurt. And then you would say, well, how would Adam Anthony Davis hurt that? Well, I don't know. First of all, you could trade, because you're going to have to trade a Tatum or a Jalen Brown and maybe a Rosier. Like, you're going to have to trade those kids and then you get Anthony Davis. Then what are we doing with Anthony Davis? You know what we're doing then? We're going, oh, does Anthony Davis want to be here? We're doing the same thing we're doing with Kyrie. No, enough. Don't do that. Don't do that. Get me back to last year. Bring me back to that. And you know what? If that doesn't work out, then you'll then they'll figure it out. Then we'll 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 get there. When we get there, we'll figure that out. But bring me back to that. I want to see more of that. I'm intrigued by that. I thought Kyrie Irving would help out in the playoffs. He didn't. It's over. You can sense it all year, but now it's final. This suck fest performance from Kyrie Irving, it's done. Pot ways. He's leaving anyways, but in the small chance that he might think about staying, I think you got to say, eh, Kyrie, why don't you go to New York or L.A.? I think we're going to get back to what we had last year. And don't get Anthony Davis. And if you want to trade Gordon Haywood on top of it for a bag of basketballs, be my guest. Be my guest. The problem is you'll have to get a bag of basketballs that is making a max contract in order to match salaries in an NBA trade. But, um, you know, my advice for the Celtics would be pot ways with Kyrie, don't get Anthony Davis. Get back to what you had last year and just, just see. What's the worst that could happen? Losing the second round in Milwaukee? <laughs> I mean... I, you know, it, I don't think it can get worse. I don't think it can feel worse. Get back to that. That would be my advice. So, uh, it's just, it's tough to stomach today because I think the expectations were so high and my expectations for Kyrie were high even with all the bullshit all year long. I'm saying, get to the playoffs. And even after the Indiana series, after game one of this series, I'm sitting here telling you Milwaukee's not going to win this series. But I said that under the idea that Kyrie Irving wasn't going to be horrible for four straight games. And he was horrible. And the fact that there was no accountability on his part in his little five-minute press conference, and he's praising the Bucs, he's saying he can't wait to watch Milwaukee in the next round. Oh, man. You think your locker room can't wait to watch Milwaukee in the next round? Says there's no time for disappointment? Really? Nobody in your locker room is disappointed. I mean, he just sounds like a guy that's no longer a Celtic. Sounds like a guy that 
is like, I'm out of here. I am done with this. Done with this. Yeah, you learn your lessons. Can't wait to watch Milwaukee. Great team. Move on. Hey, such a great team. Why don't you try to sign with them? So glad you lost to a team like Milwaukee. Why don't you go join them? Can't wait to watch them in the Eastern Conference Finals. Maybe you could play with them in the East Finals next year. No time for disappointment. No time for disappointment? <laughs> like, I mean, there was an air ball that Kyrie Irving threw up in this game. And I tweeted at someone last night. I said, I, the air ball, I laughed in anger. I didn't even know there was an emotion that one human could have. Laughing in anger? I was angry. It was an angry laugh. I couldn't even do it for you right now. But in that moment, Kyrie throws up an air ball. What was it, in the third quarter? I'm, I, I was laughing angrily. I couldn't even, I, I don't even know. I just, I felt something. Kyrie brought out emotions from us in this town this year that I didn't even know we had. And then he goes and has a post-game press conference like that, and you're just like, see ya. See ya. See ya. And Fannis to Kyrie, maybe he never wanted to be here in the first place. Right? And Fannis to Kyrie, his plan was always New York. And Fannis to Kyrie, his plan was always L.A. And, you know, in, in Fannis, I guess to the Celtics, they gave it a shot. But now you have to know to move on. You got to move on. It's over. Kyrie and the Celtics, done. If he's with the Celtics next year, I will be shocked. I'm just telling you, it's not going to happen. He's not He's not coming back. There's no way. And if he wants to come back, I don't even think the Celtics will want him. I don't. My advice would be, just tell him, tell him it's done. It's over. Move on. We gave it a shot. Move on. You didn't want to be here originally. We gave it a shot. It didn't work out. Let's move on. We're going back to what we had last year when we went to Game 7 of the East Finals. And we're going to give that another shot. And we're going to go with these kids. You know, we drafted these kids in the first round. High high picks. Tatum, Brown, Rozier. What was Rozier? 14 or 16 overall or something. And nobody saw him getting drafted that early. You know? Um, You know, you keep Horford around, I think, as a veteran leader. You keep smart around. Obviously, he just signed a contract. Hope he's healthy. And, uh, you know, maybe even trade Haywood. I'm not opposed to that. You know, if there's somebody else out there, go find him in free agency. Give the money to someone else. You can figure that out. How about Kawhi Leonard? <laughs> right? I mean, how about Kawhi Leonard? So, just looking at the rest of the NBA playoffs, um... You know, it's looking like Toronto's going to be Philly, though anything could really happen there. But I, I do think Toronto's going to win that. Then you got Golden State up 3-2 on Houston. And, um, you know, Golden State, there's a big story there because Golden State is now, I don't, I don't know if they're going to, maybe dealing with a Kevin Durant injury is strong. What's the status on him? I don't know as I'm recording this, but he got hurt in game five and left that game five with a right leg injury. They're saying it's a calf sprain. You know, they were concerned in the broadcast that it was an Achilles. 
And if it was an Achilles, then that could be ugly. If it's a calf sprain, you know, you can manage that. You can manage that. I think Golden State, even without Durant, people forget, Golden State won without Durant. They beat Durant without Durant in the playoffs. Golden State could still win without Durant. And, uh, but the question now is, will Golden State be without Durant? What is this injury looking like? Uh, and I, we don't know. We don't know right now. But when you look at the NBA playoffs and what the brackets look like, uh, let's just say Golden State is going to be without Durant the rest of the series, and I don't know that, but let's say he is. I'd still take Golden State to beat Houston. And then, as I'm recording this, Denver's up 3-2 on Portland. It really doesn't matter who wins that series. I, I think you're going to get Golden State going to the finals. I would still pick Golden State to win it all. I know Milwaukee's going to be a sexy pick right now because of the way they embarrassed the Celtics. But I think the reason, this, you know, and credit to Milwaukee, I'm not trying to take anything away from them. But Kyrie Irving, I gave you the shooting numbers. He was horrible. And I don't think Milwaukee's going to win at all. In fact, I would take Toronto over Milwaukee. I would take either Toronto or Philly over Milwaukee. I would. I really would. But uh, I wouldn't take anyone over Golden State, even if Durant was out with a serious injury. But we don't know if it's that serious yet, so I'm not going to sit here and assume that. Uh, but that's the way the NBA playoffs look, and the Celtics are done. So I'll keep an eye on anything that happens in the offseason, and I'll be here reacting to it, playing your audio of anything that Kyrie says. I'm sure they're going to have some type of media day in the next couple days this weekend. I'll react to that on Monday, and I'll play you some audio if there's anything good that comes out of that, and there probably will be. Um, but I think the Celtics need to be they need to be honest about this. They need to be honest with themselves about Kyrie Irving. And even if he wants to come back, Celtics got to be honest about this one. I think it's I think it's over. I think the Kyrie Irving experiment is done, but whatever happens, I'll react to it. And then um of course, we got the Stanley Cup playoffs. And not to bury the Bruins who are actually going out getting the job done, but um you know, the Celtics season is over. There's been a lot of drama, a lot of it's been in the headlines all year long. I had to open with that. The Bruins are in the Eastern Conference Finals. They won their game six in the second round. They beat Columbus. It came with some controversy, but the Bruins got the job done. And now the Bruins take on the Carolina Hurricanes in the East Finals. Game one is going to be tonight on this Thursday night. Here is the schedule for this series. Game one tonight on Thursday at 8 o'clock. Game two at the Garden is on Sunday so they're going to give them Friday, Saturday off in between. It's the only two-day break in between games in the series. Uh, it's the only time they have two days off in between games. The rest of the series is just a game, one night off, the game, one night off, the game. Game one tonight, Thursday. Game two is on Sunday, but it's at 3 o'clock. I don't really have a problem with it being on Sunday. Like, I get it. But 3 o'clock? The Western Conference final game between San Jose and St. Louis, they're playing on Saturday and Monday. So it's not like you're trying to squeeze two NHL games in. Why is this at 3 o'clock? They're going up against NBA on Sunday night? It, they shouldn't look at it like that. Give me a night game 
Afternoon games? This is the conference final. You're going to make them play in the afternoon? All right, it's not 1 o'clock, but it's still 3 o'clock. It's still a different, you know, it's just a, a different routine. You get in the, you're going to make these guys get out of their routine to play at 3 o'clock on a Sunday? Makes no sense to me. You have it at night. Have it at 7 o'clock. Why can't you have this game Sunday at 7 o'clock? Anyways, it's at 3 o'clock at the Garden on Sunday. That's game two. Game three is on Tuesday in Carolina. Game four on next Thursday in Carolina. Game five back at the Garden if necessary, which it probably will be. Next Saturday, a week from Saturday, May 18th. Is that the day of the Preakness, I think? Um, so that's that'll be Saturday night at 7.15 at game five next Saturday. And then game six, Monday, May 20th in Carolina. And then game seven, Wednesday, May 22nd, if necessary, at the Garden. And that is Wednesday night at 8 o'clock. So that's what we got with the Bruins. But the controversy coming from the Columbus series is that Charlie McAvoy will be suspended for one game for his hit on Josh Anderson. It was a hit to the head. It was a shoulder really kind of to the jaw area. And... It's a play that, like, put it this way. If you're the NHL, you're in a tough spot here. Because I don't think it's a, I don't think the intent was dirty. I don't think Charlie McAvoy's a dirty player. I, I don't even necessarily think McAvoy was thinking to himself, I'm going to take this guy's head off. I think that that's the type of hit that is awfully tough for us to react to, and it's awfully tough for the league to react to when you slow it down and continue to watch slow-motion replays. In slow motion, it looks awful. It looks awful. Anderson's coming down the right wing in front of the bench, comes into the offensive zone, Char is behind him. McAvoy's got one, McAvoy's got one job in that moment. Don't let Anderson buy me. Because if, if McAvoy misses a hit, Anderson gets by him, comes in and scores, or creates a scoring opportunity, we're probably going to knock Charlie McAvoy. Ah, oh, what a stiff. He missed a big check. So McAvoy has one job there. Put a body on him. Make contact. In a high-speed game, when you have one job to make contact and put a hit on him, make sure he doesn't get by you. Anderson gives a little, like, jump to the inside. It's very subtle, but it's enough to where McAvoy all of a sudden is missing his target. And in a high-speed moment, when he's missing his target, your first instinct, your first reaction for the one job that you got to do, put a body on him, is put a body on him. By any means necessary. And what he did was McAvoy missing his target kind of threw the shoulder up to make contact, and it so happened at the shoulder, hit the jaw, hit the head. Anderson went down. McAvoy just got a penalty. He's just got a two-minute penalty, right? And uh, But the NHL had to watch it, and they're watching it. They know everything I just said about the hit, but they also have to think to themselves, well, this is exactly the type of contact to the head that we want to eliminate from the game. And if we want to be consistent, we want to eliminate this from the game, we're going to have to give some type of punishment. So they gave him a one-game suspension. I thought that was right. You know, you if you want to suspend McAvoy one game, 
for basically staying consistent with what you're trying to eliminate from the game, which is a shot to the head, fine. But I also don't think it was dirty at the same time. But I can understand the suspension. You know, if it was like a two or three game suspension, I think I'd be up in arms right now. I'm not. It's one, which based on some of the other suspensions we've seen, like the Nazem Kadri, kind of compared to those suspensions, this is a slap on the wrist. Now the Bruins are going to miss him. They're going to miss him in game one. But, you know, it's unfortunate. It happened. You take the suspension, you deal with it, and you move on. You get back for game two. I don't think it was dirty, but I can understand the NHL wanting to suspend McAvoy for, you know, sending the message home that we are still trying to eliminate shots to the head. And if it happens, we're going to punish you for it. Right? So they punished him, but for only one game, which was a, a good amount of time uh, to suspend Charlie McAvoy. Look, if you had told anybody in this town that the Bruins in the playoffs would have to go through Toronto and then they'd have to play the eight-seed Blue Jackets and then the seven-seed Hurricanes, they'd be lining the duck boats up on Causeway. And then if I told you, oh yeah, the top teams in the West have been eliminated too. <laughs> the Predators and the Flames, the top two seeds. They've been eliminated. You know, the Bruins right now have an opportunity Tuka Rask has an opportunity to shut the critics up. Especially now. Because if, if Tuka Rask, who's been phenomenal, by the way, through the first two rounds, if Tuka Rask shits the bed in the East Finals against the seventh seed and they lose to Carolina, you know, then his critics are going to be maybe louder than ever because they're going to say, wow, if there was ever a spot or an opportunity that you should have stepped up and helped the Bruins win, it's when you're the favorite, you've become the favorite to win the Stanley Cup and you have a road that's easy, or, or should we say a lot easier than it could have been. It could have been Tampa Bay and then Washington. And even though those teams got handed losses, Washington lost in the first round of Carolina, Tampa Bay got swept in the first round by Columbus. Don't overthink that. I still would have preferred to play Columbus and play Carolina, the wildcard teams. Of course you'd prefer to play them, no? And I'm not trying to tell you that this is going to be an easy series. But, I mean, if you told me going into the playoffs, these are the teams you'd have to play, I'd say, wow, you should get to the Stanley Cup final. And under the expectation that you now should get there, if you don't, the critics will be louder than ever. If you don't. So, uh, I'm going to pick the Bruins to win this series. But, you know, I'm not trying to take anything away from Carolina. I, I just think that there's a reason you're a wild card and the Bruins are not. All right? And um, there's a reason the Bruins are right now the favorite to win the Cup. And Carolina is not, though. Carolina is kind of up there with the odds right now. Uh, I think they have the second best odds, if I'm not mistaken, or at least they did a couple days ago. But anyways, whatever happens in the series, I will react to it. And then, um, of course, you got the Red Sox. Chris Sale. Oh, I did. I was watching the Celtics, watching the Celtics postgame. And then Chris Sale was dominant against Baltimore in Baltimore. Didn't get the win. What are you, 14 strikeouts, something in eight innings? You know, it was a 1-1 game. It gets into the it gets into extra innings. Jackie Bradley Jr., an amazing catch. Robbed a walk-off home run in extra innings. You got to go watch this catch. 
And then in the top of the next inning, Andrew Benatendi hits a home run. Red Sox win the game 2-1 in Baltimore. Some people look at the Red Sox right now and they want to talk about the, you know, the trip to the White House. And it's like, (laughs) you people are trying to give me a fucking headache. I could care less who goes to the White House. I honestly, like, I just don't give a rat's ass about it. I don't care. You want to go to the White House? Go. You worked all season long to get the invitation. Maybe not too... You didn't go into the season and win the World Series and go go into the World Series going, wow, I'm just playing this for the invitation of the White House. No. But it's one of the other rewards that comes along with it. You get the invite. If you want to accept that invite, go ahead. You shouldn't be knocked for accepting an invite to the White House. I don't care who's the president. I don't care if you like the president, hate the president, it doesn't matter. You get that invitation after you win a championship. If you want to go, go. If you don't want to go, then don't go. You're an adult. You can make your own decisions. You know, the media all gets so involved in this that the media creates a headache as well. But here's the problem. I don't care if you go or if you don't go. If the whole team said, we're not going. If the whole team said, we're going as a team. I don't care. If you want to go to the White House, go. If you don't, don't. My life will go on as it normally does, whether you go to the White House or you don't. I don't give a shit. It doesn't get me worked up. If it gets you worked up, you're one of these political psychopaths that we have right now in 2019 that... You know, we don't see the truth on either side. The truth lies somewhere in the middle. I don't get involved in that shit. And so I don't care who goes to the White House. And that's all I'm going to say about that. The only time I really cared was when Tim Thomas didn't go. And I didn't even really care, but he was the only American on the team. (laughs) Like, you know, it's, it's different. If you're the only American on the team, You know, why is everybody, why do, then you can say, well, if the only American on the team's not going, why should anybody else care about going? Different, I think completely different when you start talking about that. But I, I didn't even really care then. It was just a, a talking point at the time. I was a reporter covering the Bruins. And so, you know, I guess the, the sexy analysis isn't what I'm giving you right now. I don't care. But there's so much other stuff going on. I'm telling you right now, Whether the Red Sox go to the White House or not, I don't care. I will move on. And so I will close out the show with that. Get this show whenever you want at Podcast One. Also on iTunes, Spotify, anywhere podcasts are available. Follow me on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Though I've really only been using Twitter lately. And even I haven't even really been using it that much. But if you want to follow to get links that I send out to my work, my columns, my podcasts, please do. And um, what else? Oh, my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Danny Picard. Thanks for joining me. Enjoy your weekend. Again, happy Mother's Day. I will be back on Monday. Talk to you then.